0: Listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonçalves. Hi, everyone.
1: It's a daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Wednesday, the 15th of June, 2022. Uh, later, was the recent share market sell-off overdone? We'll find out more details. But first, to consumer confidence, which is on the way down. And that's a concern because the consumer forms 60% of the economy. The Westpac Melbourne Institute Consumer Cinnamon Index fell 4.5% to 86.4% in June. Anything below 100 suggests pessimists outnumber optimists. So what does it mean for the economy? For more, I spoke earlier with Westpac's Chief Economist, Bill Evans. Bill, how would you describe consumer sentiment at the moment?
2: Well, it dropped by 4.5%, the index, in June. That was a much bigger fall than I expected. Uh, And now it's it's hovering around near those lows that we saw in those major periods of uh, economic dislocation for Australia, such as COVID, global financial crisis, uh, early early 90s recession, mid-80s slowdown and early 80s recession. So it's a, a disturbing measure indeed. What are consumers most worried about? Look, the inflation story is overwhelmingly the thing that's affecting them the most. We asked people what news stories most uh, affect their thinking and 60% said inflation. Normally inflation on average is about 12%. Now other factors were interest rates, Uh, the state of the domestic economy and, of course, the state of the overseas economy. But inflation really does stand out in this survey. So with sentiment at historic lows,
1: what does that say about the challenges the economy is facing and is going to face?
2: Very, very interesting. Um, I think initially we're still going to see considerable momentum with consumer spending, the reopening effect, the fact that the savings rate can come down a lot further. It it freed up six billion in spending in the first quarter when it fell um, from 13.6 to 11.6. But as we go through the year and those factors start to fade, uh, this weak confidence and the falling house prices are really gonna start to impact the economy. So in summary, we think growth this year will still be a quite respectable 4%, but next year down to 2% and that's well below trend.
1: And to what extent is all of this having on housing sentiment, and what's it likely to mean for the sector and for
2: prices? Housing sentiment took another hit. The question is now a good time to buy a dwelling fell three percent. It's now down at its lowest level since the global financial crisis in 2008. In terms of house price expectations, they took a hit of 8.4 percent. They're now down to 111, which is still above that hundred level. So we do have some brave folks thinking that house prices are going to rise, more of them than there are thinking it's going to fall. But in Sydney and Melbourne, uh, the falls were much larger and then now down around about that 100 level so I think in a couple of in in a few months time we'll see more people expecting falls in house prices and rises. Bill, we also saw today a 5.2% increase in the minimum wage
1: that was announced today. What does that say about the role overall wages growth will play on the
2: economy? Uh, we are going to see a, a, a significant significant lift in wages growth, not only from the awards, but also from individual agreements uh, and from enterprise agreements as the older ones mature and they get uh, r- rolled over at higher levels. So we're expecting that that broad wage price index, that's currently growing at 2.4, will be growing near 3% uh, very soon. And next year, expecting it to reach 4. Now, the key thing there will be, what's inflation gonna be doing? And will workers still have to deal with negative real wages? We think not so. We think inflation will be coming down next year. So given all of that, And considering the commentary we heard
1: from the RBA governor yesterday where he said inflation will hit 7%, previously the RBA thought about 6%, with a cash rate at some point of 2.5%,
2: what do you think this really means for monetary policy and the ability for borrowers to cope? The big issue is whether inflation does come down next year. Um, The governor's talking 7% at the end of the year, so it's going to increase from the 5.1% that we have today. And we all accept the fact that the second half of this year is going to be a year of higher inflation. But the big issue is what happens next year. We're expecting that over the course of next year, there'll be four key factors that'll be a drag on inflation. We're expecting that fuel prices will actually fall next year, as oil markets reach a better equilibrium, the cost of building a house will be will be slowing in terms of its contribution, the cost of food will be coming off, uh, flood disruptions and the disruptions in Europe starting to ease, and electricity prices that are hugely boosting inflation this year will be more moderate next year. So those factors overall can allow inflation to come down and when we see a very slowing economy the demand side of those inflation pressures will also be contained. If we do see that then the Reserve Bank will be able to lift interest rates to a level that won't be leading to a massive uh, disruption in the economy. Uh, But if we don't see that and if inflation continues to rise then of course interest rates will have to go a lot further and create a lot more damage.
1: Bill Evans there, the Chief Economist of Westpac. Now to the Australian share market, which fell again today, the 200 down by 1.3%, 6,601. Of course, it follows yesterday's huge sell-off, which was down 3.6%. So for more, I spoke with the Investment Partners Chief Investment Officer, David Burton jones The market's still down following that sell-off yesterday, but not by as much, right? So what's sentiment like at the moment? And essentially, was it overdone, that that huge sell-off?
0: No, I, I don't think it is overdone. Pockets of the market are still quite overvalued. For example, the secular growth stocks, these are companies that are expected to grow earnings regardless of the economic environment. And in particular, the nexus between consumer discretionary, tech and healthcare stocks, where we think that embedded expectations are still overly exuberant. If the US Federal Reserve comes out with a 75 basis point hike tonight, they will likely remain under pretty considerable pressure
1: Yesterday we heard from the RBA governor speaking on the ABC saying that he expects uh, the official cash rate to eventually hit 2.5% as some sort of a normal rate, right? What's the market thinking though about where rates will go and how will that impact shares?
0: Well, the Australian cash rate futures market is signalling 4% over the next 18 months or so. Now that's that's a lot, but if the RBA itself is forecasting inflation to hit 7% by December, then such drastic measures are unnecessary. Monetary policy works largely through housing and through foreign exchange rates, and ultimately by tightening financial conditions. As such, we are, well, we're fairly bearish on the outlook for Australian shares and for Australian property. Now, the banks, they have been hit and hit hard by fears of higher default rates as mortgage stress rises. And those fears have been more than enough to offset the higher net interest margins that would result from higher mortgage rates. Insurance companies, to our mind, however, they unambiguously benefit from higher investment income on technical reserves and shareholder funds as a function of those higher rates. But they don't have the rising bad and doubtful debt concerns.
1: So given this correction, right, and you mentioned some of the local um, sectors, are there any opportunities right now? Do you buy, do you wait, for example?
0: Uh, It's a very good question. So we've, we've been busy. We've been buying international equities on the back of market dislocations. For example, European equities fell heavily in the weeks after the war began. Emerging market equities fell at the onset of China's property market ructions and their intervention into firms with too much market power like Alibaba and Tencent. We've been buying Japanese equities as the yen collapsed um, collapsed due to diverging monetary policy. And more recently, we've also been buying US equities as the S&P 500 has joined the global correction. And we'll probably keep adding to the international exposures as markets fall, drawing down on cash But uh, we we aren't buying the dip in Australian shares just yet. We are aware of the view that central banks, through policy, are quite determined to get commodity prices down effectively by restraining aggregate demand. So,
1: you know, it sounds that you're not overly keen on equities at the moment, right? We've seen bond yields rise overnight. We we know that interest rates are rising. So do you think it's time to be readjusting portfolios, especially for those investors that are heavy on the equity
0: side of things? Uh, Yes, um, perhaps with a shade of nuance. So we, we think that the average investor has far too much Australian equities exposure and far too little international equities exposure. So in this uncertain market, spreading the capital far and wide across asset and sub-asset classes, across markets, across regions. That makes a lot of sense to us. With regard to bonds, we think that a 4% yield on Aussie government bond yields, uh, Aussie government bond debt is a fantastic deal. Our balanced portfolios, they have a typical total return target of about 6%. So if we can get 4% in bonds, well, we think that's an excellent contributor. And uh, probably as a follow-on point from that, we think that the average investor has far too much credit across their portfolio and far too much of their fixed income coming from hybrids, which to our mind are just simply too highly correlated to equity market risk to be adequate portfolio diversifiers.
1: Final thing, China, um, lockdown worries. We saw some economic data out today, I think retail sales and industrial output, which was a little bit better than expected, though. What do you make of China and its impact on Australia?
0: It's a very good question. Well, if I put those two questions together, I'd say that Australia has not one but but two Achilles heels. The first is our overstretched housing market and the second is our dependence on China. The COVID zero approach that they've taken does not appear to work well with a variant like Omicron, but that is the course that they are pursuing. It does mean additional problems for supply chains, which is inflationary. But the biggest issue is that as their property sector declines and their fixed asset investment needs decline, their demand for our commodities will wane over time. Now that's bad news for Australia's commodity producers, but would eventually be wonderful news for the inflationary pressures overall.
1: David Bertham Jones, there from Equitas Investments.
0: This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only.